Welcome to the One in One podcast, where a below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. Today's episode is a really special one to me. I'm going to be talking with my older brother, Kyle Burke, who played basketball at Division III, the College of New Jersey, from 2001 to 2005. Kyle has a really inspiring athletic story, one that involves a lot of hard work, a devastating setback, more hard work, and a big comeback. It's a story that I'm very proud of, and I know the rest of our family is very proud of as well. Kyle, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course, and I want to clear this up right away. Mom and Dad didn't force you to come on my podcast. You wanted to be here, and I really appreciate that. You've got two young kids, a wife, you work, and I'm glad you could make some time because I know it's limited. No, no problem. It took you long enough to ask me. (laughs) So this is a different episode for me. Obviously, I'm going to know the answers to a lot of the questions I ask you. I'm your sister. We grew up in the same house, but not as many as people might think. There's an eight-year age difference between us, and I was very young when you were in high school and going through some of the struggles that we're going to get into. So I don't remember everything. Yeah, you were young and Damien was away. Uh, no, no support from you guys. <laughs> Hopefully you had our parents' support. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. You grew up in Maywood, New Jersey, to great parents. You had an older brother and an awesome little sister. You were the middle child. Did you ever resent being the middle kid? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, no, I was lucky in that uh, our older brother, Damien, kind of paved the way. Um, he made the mistake, um, <laughs> and I kind of skated on by. <laughs> and then I was lucky in the fact that I... I was lucky in the fact that by the time I was old enough, mom and dad were already tired of dealing with you two, so I kind of got away with a lot, too. Yeah, yeah, you, uh, you got away with everything. <laughs> <laughs> Some would say you still do. Eh, you know, it happens. How old were you when you got into sports, and specifically basketball? Um, that's a good question. I don't know the exact age. Um, I know I, I have a picture of myself shooting on a Fisher-Price Fisher hoop uh, Christmas morning, um, and I was probably three years old or so. Um, I think that's when I started with basketball. Um, but we were lucky enough to have um, a father who was never too busy for us, right? He was always playing with us in the backyard or in the driveway, and, and, and I remember as far back as I can, you know, playing basketball in the driveway with Damian and dad and uh, some of our uncles and cousins and friends. And um, so, yeah, I was probably like five um, and we would have big games. We call them in the, uh, in the driveway in our, in our oddly shaped driveway. Do you remember that driveway? It was, wasn't really yeah. conducive to uh, basketball, but we, we made it work. Yeah, it wasn't great. And I think some of Damien's armpit skin is still stuck on that wooden fence. Yeah, so the backstory behind that is um, the rim was pretty tight. So if you missed back rim, it shot off into the neighbor's yard, and they, they had a wooden fence, and we couldn't climb the fence. It was old, and it would break, and we, we broke it before, and, and they'd get really mad. They weren't the, the best neighbors. Um, and we could knock on their door, and they'd let us in the backyard, but that was a hassle. So we we came up with contraptions we had we had like a bucket with a rope and 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 things to try to get the ball um 
And one time, Dean tried to make a, a, a stave, and that's where his armpit was stuck between the two pieces of the fence, and, like, there was skin and armpit, armpit hair. Oh, that is gross. <laughs> and speaking of those stories of you playing basketball with our dad and uncles, Damien, and some of our cousins, there's some great stories there, because dad would eject you. And he's a pretty laid-back guy, so you must have done something pretty bad. So you got to tell me. Were you given cheap shots? Were you like Grace and Allen out there tripping people? Why were you ejected? Um, probably a lot of reasons. I know, for one, you know, they would let me shoot a lot. But back then, I was a pretty good shooter for a little guy. And so uh, there came a certain point where they had to guard me, right? They had to block <laughs> me. They couldn't just let me shoot the whole time. And, and that would... That would tick me off, and then I'd, I'd throw a little fit, and then I'd get tossed. But my bedroom window overlooked the court or the driveway, so I'd get sent to my room, and I'd open up the window, and I'd watch the game, and sometimes I'd yell back at them. Um, but they'd always let me come back. I got a lot of second chances. <laughs> That's so funny. But that, those, those, those games were kind of, now thinking back on it, taught me – you know, how to compete, how to be competitive, um, you know, nothing comes easy, things like that. Yeah, for sure. And as a young kid, it was no question that basketball was a skill of yours, specifically shooting the basketball. You were a great shooter. You were so good, in fact, that when our family went to a summer barbecue when you were probably like seven years old, a grown man, a gym teacher in town, was so proud when he played defense, like it was a final four out there during a pickup game and he held you sco- scoreless. Oh my God, I remember that. Not, not only a gym teacher, he was my gym teacher. He was yeah. my gym teacher all throughout elementary school. Um, yeah, he locked me down. Uh, I, had tough, I had a tough day that day. I couldn't score on him. Um, coincidentally, didn't he get busted for giving his track athletes steroids two years later? Yeah, there's there's some rumors out there about that. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the kind of guy we were dealing with. Um, yeah. Yeah, he was very it, proud of himself, that, locking you down. That that that, that that's still infuriates dad to this day. He he thinks he should have he should have thrown an illegal pick on him or something. <laughs> he should have. Yeah, what a loser. I mean, that's like me coming to your house and you have his little son who's four. We're, we're going to get into that. But that's like me playing with him on his Fisher-Price hoop and not letting him shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, that's funny. I forgot about that. That's funny. <laughs> good for him. For him. That's what he needs to feel good about himself. Good for him. <laughs> but I should have done when I, when I got older. I was like 20 years old, gone to his house and been like, check up. <laughs> you definitely should have. Kyle, can you talk about your love for Villanova basketball growing up? How you got into it? Your favorite player to watch and emulate as a kid? And why you still enjoy watching it today? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I got into Nova um, through dad, right? Dad played baseball there and, and he kind of got us into the Nova basketball um, ever since I can remember, ever since I was little. Um, you know, Nova's on TV all the time now, but back then they were only on a few times a year. It was a big kind of deal in our house. Um, 
he never forced me to like Villanova, but you usually like the teams that your father likes or your mother likes, right? So yeah, I've mom wasn't been... rooting for anyone. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, mom's thing is I like sports only when my kids play. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I just, again, I, I just, as far back as I can remember, I, I love Nova Hoops. And, and to this day, I mean, they're on TV every single game, and it's, it's really enjoyable for me to watch and get into it. Um, it's nerve-wracking. I was never nervous playing, but I'm nervous watching because I, you know, I have no control over the game. Um, it's fun. You know, I get to go to games with dad um, a few, few times a year. Yeah, we talk about it even in the off season. We talk about how they're going to be this season and you know, what recruits they're going after. It's just it's, it's really really enjoyable. Um, I, I I love it. I love that they're they're good now. That they're you know a, a prominent program. Um, growing up, I uh, I was a big Terry Kittles fan, just like our older brother Damien was. I never I never had the confidence to wear one sock up, one sock down like he did. Um, <laughs> but I, I liked Kittles, and then a, and then a few years after him, there was a guy from Belmar, New Jersey, named Brian Lynch, who I took to, and uh, really liked him. Uh, he was a local kid, he was a good shooter, um, and I really looked up to him, and then. When I was in college, I wound up playing against him in a Belmar summer league, and he was guarding me, and uh, had a really good game against him. And I remember thinking how cool of a moment that was, and also thinking, why did I idolize this guy? <laughs> I just, I just him. <laughs> well, it shows how good of a player but, you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, or I think he was a little out of shape at the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Nova basketball is still. I don't really follow many main, uh, main professional sports. Like, I'll watch NBA games, but I don't, you know, root for a certain team. Um, I'll watch football, but I don't really root hard for a certain team. Um, I like the Mets, but that is what it is. Um, but, yeah, I don't love basketball all the time. I, I love it. I love – I'll watch every game, you know, including the uh, – you know, the season opener when they play a team that they're going to beat by 40, um, all the way up till, you know, March Madness. It's, uh, it, it's really enjoyable. And, and, you know, it's funny, it, it is in, in 2016 when they won their first title, um, I remember thinking, if I ever get the opportunity again, I want to watch it with Dad. And luckily, you know, two years later, they were in the final again. I remember driving up and watching the game with Dad, but it was different because in 2016, they really weren't supposed to win. In 2018, they were the best team by far and were kind of expected to win. So it was a different kind of um, feeling, right? It wasn't a buzzer beater like there was in 2016. But I remember thinking, like, I, I, was, I was really happy that I got to watch a Nola championship with my father. And you, you were there, too. Yeah, I was about to say, you're leaving someone out. <laughs> I got in trouble before the game, too, because we were making fun of one of the commercials that was on. The game didn't even start yet. And Dad is like, I don't want to hear it from you guys when, uh, when the game starts. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was locked in. He was locked in. <laughs> And uh, you you said 2016 was their first. They actually won it in 85. You were a baby. I wasn't even born yet. 
Can you describe the moment though when Chris Jenkins hit the buzzer, the buzzer beating game winner? Because you had a little baby in your apartment, didn't you? Yes, this is over in our condo and um, in the bedroom because I was superstitious. I watched their second round game in my bedroom and they played well. So from then on out, if I was home, I was watching the game in the bedroom. Now, um, my wife, uh, your sister-in-law, Kristen, was um, sleeping. The game does start pretty late, uh, but so she was sleeping and the dog was sleeping in bed. Now Logan is in the, the second bedroom that isn't that far away. I was quiet the whole game because I was nervous, right? And I was actually texting with Damien and Dad throughout the whole game. And as the play is happening, the play is developing, I kind of get out of bed and just start walking towards the TV, right? <laughs> and again, I saw it. I, I, I saw the trailer. I saw the pass. And when it went in, I, I just I kind of stopped for a second and just out loud said, "Holy!" That's I did. <laughs> and dog woke up. Dog woke up. Kristen woke up. And uh, I remember her saying, she didn't yell at her, she was like, don't wake up Logan. And I remember her saying, like, I don't care, we just won the national championship. We need to tell her. That was a cool, cool moment. Um, yeah, I, I just remember thinking, holy, holy cow, I can't believe. First, I can't believe they won it. Second of all, I can't believe they won it on that shot. Um, that was a really cool moment. Um, and the funny story is there's a picture of dad celebrating, and I don't know if you put it on social media, but I don't know if Damien commented on it or if he just, like, through a text said it, but he said, I haven't seen dad that happy since Kyle moved out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, still living at home at that point, and I was watching it with dad, and that was a very cool moment to be able to watch it with him. And uh, yeah, he was uh, he was fired up. <laughs> he, he had his visa for that picture. The, uh, me, Kristen, and uh, and Logan, who was not even a year old at the time, um, watched the game in Paramus, the, the Final Four game where they where they beat Oklahoma by a million. And there was a point where um, Kristen had Logan, and she switched seats, right? Now, Nova's on fire, right? Chris has switched seats with Logan, and they missed, like, two shots in a row on, on back-to-back possessions. And Dad goes, Chris, you got to get back. You got to go back to your seat, right? And she kind of looked at him and, and laughed. And I said, no, he's, we're serious. you got to get back here. <laughs> oh, he made his grandson move, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his grandson was wearing Nova stuff. He, he was supporting so. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was a very cool year. And um, as you mentioned, in 2018, we were together watching the game with Dad. That was special. And even more so for me, it's no secret, if you listen to the podcast, that Coach Muffin McGraw is a role model of mine. And her, her Notre Dame team won the girls' NCAA championship on a buzzer beater the night before. So watching those two championships on back-to-back nights with Dad 
is always going to be a memory that I'm going to hold dearly in my heart. And I know you as yeah. well cherish those Nova games with him. Yeah, it, it was, that was a really cool moment. Like I said, it was a different feeling. And I almost felt bad afterwards because I'd become like a spoiled fan. Like I wasn't, I was excited, but not as excited as I was in 2016. And, um, yeah, it's almost like a, well, you're a Patriots fan or a Yankees fan or you expect them to win it all, and I never want to be like that. Um, but uh, And Nova was up most of the game, but I knew we had it in the bag once Dad went and got a celebratory um, Greek yogurt ice cream bar <laughs> um, <laughs> to clinch the victory. I knew that, that he was comfortable up 17 with two minutes left or whatever it was. <laughs> Yeah, I remember being super relaxed that whole game because the night before was just a this whole mix of emotions and Nova was up from start to finish. And I was like, yeah, this is boring. You guys had it easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually, I watched that Notre Dame game, game too. That whole women's final four was cool. A couple buzzer beaters. Um, and I know how much you, you like Notre Dame. Um, so I... I I watched secretly. I wouldn't. I won't. The only time I'll admit it, but I uh, I watched and I really did. Wow! Thank you. <laughs> he admits it. Just, just, just that one time, not anymore. <laughs> well, I'm hoping when Dad retires in a couple of years, the next time Villanova makes the Final Four, he uh, treats us all to a trip out there. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice, right? Or the next time they play in the Bahamas, or they're in, I think they're in Myrtle. Myrtle Beach this year. Yeah, tell them to pony up. Let's go. All right, Kyle. We'll, uh, we'll get back into your career. And I don't think I'm offending you when I say that a lot of the times you weren't the most athletic guy on the court. You weren't the quickest and you weren't the highest jumper. But no one outworked you on the court. No, it's correct you. It wasn't a lot of times. It was all the time. I was never, I was never the quickest or never the most athletic on the court uh, ever. Uh, even when I play, even when I play with Logan and our Fisher Price suit, he's more athletic. Um, no, yeah, no one worked harder, and, and I was, I would say, I was smart. Uh, you know, being able to use head fakes and change the speeds, um, and I can also shoot, um, and I can score, and I understood how to play. So I. I I think, and I don't like talking about myself in, in this light, so this is really hard for me, but um, I, I think that I had the advantage over any defender that was guarding me because I can shoot and I, and I know how to score. Um, so whatever whatever lack of quickness or athleticism I had, I made up for. You know, I worked on runners and floaters and, and, and shots that someone's not as quick as a defender needs to, needs to make, right? I, I learned how to shoot fadeaways. Um, I worked on releasing the ball quicker. Just little things that, that help get your shot off when, when you are going up against a defender that's a lot more athletic than you are. Absolutely. And basketball IQ definitely plays a part in that. And your basketball IQ is off the charts. I personally think I have a basketball IQ, a high basketball IQ. But sometimes you'll say things when we're watching a basketball game together that I would have never thought of. Yeah, that just comes with, you know, kind of being a student of the game. I watch a lot. Um, I've played it forever. I, it's just 
you know, I just I just see things differently. I, I wish I wish I knew other things as well as I know basketball. I wish I was yeah, I wish I knew stuff in my job as well as I know <laughs> basketball. Uh, but yeah, I just I, I'm able to to see things and understand things, and, and that just comes with you know repetition and experience and a lot of watching, a lot of studying and learning. Um, yeah, I mean I, I'll watch you know any basketball game on TV. It doesn't matter who's playing, right? Um, doesn't have to be going over. It can be anyone. I'll, I can sit back and watch the whole game uh, from start to finish. I just really enjoy watching it. And as you got older, you were always working on your game, whether it be shooting in the driveway after school, making a makeshift weight room in the garage, buying those special jump rope shoes and jumping rope, or playing pickup at the local park. Do you remember those weird jump rope shoes? I do. Um, strength shoes, they were called. They're basically geared to keep, to keep you on your toes which kind of builds up your calf muscles and your ankle. Um, yeah, I used to jump rope with those, and those were cool. Damien had them, too. I think you're the only sibling that never never worked out with them. Nope. <laughs> Still haven't. Uh, <laughs> you got so mad at me one time. You were jumping rope in the, in the driveway, and I was shooting hoops. I was clanking a bunch of bricks as I normally do, and the ball bounced towards you. Oh my god, you got so mad because I guess you almost rolled your ankle. You yelled at me. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have been the first person to get hurt training in those strengths, dude. Probably not. But yeah, you were mad, and I was like, "What do you expect me to do? <laughs> I'm not as good as you." Well, I you to make a shot. You and far between. So how old were you when you started playing AAU? Hmm, good question. Um, probably about seventh or eighth grade. The uh, someone put together an AAU team of just um, kids in our county. Um, we were pretty good. It wasn't. I wouldn't call it super serious AAU. It wasn't until going into sophomore year of high school. Um, we were. I was waiting around for a game, and a kid from the other team came over with this big manila packet of information. And I didn't know that he gave it to me to look it over, and it was all these different articles and things from the Jersey Shore Warriors, which is a prominent AAU program down the shore. So in the packet was, you know, articles on everyone who played for them you know, in college, and, and there's someone in the pros, um, they just had a really good history of putting guys into good schools um, for basketball. So from then on, I joined the, uh, the Warriors, and twice a week we would go down the shore um, for practice. But practices weren't, you know, running plays. Practices were open, open gym workouts with you know, old players like, for example, Todd Billett, who played at Rutgers, then transferred to Virginia. Um, Brian Lynch, who played at Villanova, who I talked about. Those guys would come open gyms, so the practices were, were awesome. Um, really competitive pickup games. And then on the weekends, we would play in tournaments all over the East Coast. Um, and and those, those were a fun few years, uh, going to those tournaments. 
you know, dad gave up a lot of his free time. I, I know he'll tell you that he really enjoyed it, but he, he gave up a lot of his free time um, to, to follow me around for, uh, and take me, drive me around to AE tournaments. Um, and it was, it was fun. It, it was, it was a lot, a lot of travel, a lot of games. But it was it was it was really fun. I played with a lot of good players, and you played against a lot of good players too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the most prominent one is uh, Carmelo Anthony. We played against his Baltimore team. Um, I played against Jason Williams, who went to Duke um, and, and played for the Bulls before he had his motorcycle accident. Um, I think. One of the best players I played against, though, was um, a kid who wound up going to Michigan State. His name was Kelvin Torbert, I believe. Um, so AAU tournament, you play like six games a day, right? And and we went on a run one tournament. I think it was up in Albany, um, and made it. To, I don't know if it was semifinals or the finals. And we played Kelvin Torbert's team. And so this is, you're talking like our seventh game of the day. We, no one on our team has any legs. We're tired. Every shot we're taking is short. And this guy just had another level, like, that no one else had. He was awesome. Um, he was, yeah, I think he was one of the best players we played against. They also played against Randy Foy. He was an All-American at Villanova, um, and he went on to play in the NBA for like 10 years. Uh, I played against him. So he has a lot, of, a lot of good players. Wow, that's awesome. How many points did Carmelo hang on you? <laughs> I don't remember, actually. I don't remember. Um, I remember his team being a little dirty, though. I remember there being a little bit of a, a scuffle um, <laughs> in that game. Um, and actually, we, we scored opening possession like we always did on this backdoor play that worked 100% of the time. We would start off every game to not score play, right? Um, so I, now that I'm, I'm in the coaching, we have like two plays. And one of them is that backdoor play, which I call Carmelo, because I remember it working so easily against him. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carmelo, to this day, not known for his defense. <laughs> no, no, he got smoked in the back door. <laughs> so you attended Hackensack High School and played three years of varsity basketball. You stopped playing baseball after freshman year to focus solely on basketball. And you're playing it year-round at this point. You're good enough where during your junior year, you're getting recruited by Division One and Division Two schools. Do you remember when you got your first recruitment letter? I do. I was a sophomore. I was in gym class, and our basketball coach came and brought it over to me. Coincidentally, it was from the College of New Jersey. Um, That was my first letter. Um, And it's just, I mean, I had shoeboxes full by the time I was a senior. Um, Yeah, I, I was... By my junior year, I was being recruited by some Division One schools, mostly the Patriot League and the Ivy League. So, Princeton, Bucknell, Lehigh, Lafayette. Um, I think Army and Navy too. Um, and then Monmouth was recruiting me too. Um, I'm trying to think if there was another Ivy. I think maybe Brown. Um, 
But there was one letter from Lehigh. They said that I was a uh, priority recruit for them, which, which was really cool to see. Um, because my AAU team, right, our point guard, who played with us most of the time, he went to Louisville. He played in one or two Final Fours under, under Rick Pitino, right? Or a small forward went to Bucknell. He was on that Bucknell team that beat Kansas in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. Um, oh, wow. In 2005, I believe. And he was the one who hit the shot. I think he either hit the shot or he made the extra pass for the shot to basically win the game. Our power forward went to Penn. Penn he played in like four consecutive NCAA tournaments. And that Penn team was the, the mid-major who always got the, the good seed, right? They were always like a 12 seed or whatever. Um, and then our center went to Lehigh. I don't, I don't know that he, he ever really panned out in college, but he was an awesome, awesome high school AAU player. So those were the type of schools that were recruiting, that, you know, that were around our team recruiting our guys. Those were the type of schools that were, that were interested in me, um, which is really cool. It's really cool to, to get letters and talk to coaches and, and then tell you that they, you know, they want you to come to their school. And a lot of the schools offered scholarships. So it was, it, it was a pretty cool experience. Yeah, that does sound really cool. And you were also recruited by uh, D2, like high-level D- D2 schools as well. Right. A lot of the, uh, the Northeast Division II schools, like Bentley and Massachusetts and, and St. Anselm's in New Hampshire. Um, I think it was, uh, I forget the name, St. Rose in Vermont, those, those type of Division II schools. There was Caldwell in New Jersey Division II school. They give full scholarships. They're recruiting me. So, you know, the live division one, live division two, and division three, um, you know, you're, you're kind of not caught, but in that moment when you're young like that, it's division one or bust, right? It's, it's, yeah. You're, you're nobody. You're nobody if you don't go to division one. And, and that was my mindset. Um, that was my mindset throughout the whole process um, uh, of recruiting. Okay, so it's the summer after junior year, before your senior year of high school. You hadn't committed anywhere yet. You're in an outdoor basketball tournament, and you get hurt. Can you describe what happened? Yeah, so it was, it was actually summer league for my high school team. Um, we are playing in Team X. At the time, it was an outdoor league. Coincidentally, after my injury, it became an indoor league. Um, but so this is... Yeah, middle to end of June, so right before the open period. Now, the open period, I know it's different now, but the open period back then was all of July, where college coaches can come to your AAU tournament. So I was going to have AAU, AAU tournaments all of July, where college coaches can come, they can talk to you, they can offer you scholarships, right? And this was like a few weeks after Lehigh had written me a letter and said that I was a priority recruit for them. Um, now, I don't know if it was a loose ball or a steal, probably wasn't a steal, uh, but I, I was going to the basket on like a semi-fast break, and there was a defender coming to, to cut me off and take a slice of the ball, and I, I don't know if I went to spin or I went to jump stop or what, but my, my knee kind of gave out. Um, I think I turned it over. I think I lost the ball out of bounds, which is aggravating. Um, <clears throat> 
and I felt like a twinge in my knee. Um, didn't think it was that serious. Because if you watch a game or you watch sports there and, and you see an athlete go down with a torn ACL, I mean, some of these, you know, the toughest of the tough of these high-level athletes are, are brought to tears, right, and need to, be, need to be helped off. And I wound up coming back in the game. I would kind of come in and it, I'd play a few possessions and come out. And so if I was able to kind of play a little bit, I didn't think it was that serious. Um, a day or two later, we actually got it drained because it swelled up and not to be graphic, but the fluid was, was bloody, and that's not a good sign. Um, so we wound up getting an MRI or two and getting a few opinions, and it was, yeah, I, I, I had torn the ACL in my left knee, and I also did some meniscus damage. Um, so literally the worst possible time I could do it, I did it. Um, that meant, you know, missing all of the open period and and realizing that those Division One going after me, you know, are going to stop because I wasn't this, you know, once-in-a-lifetime talent that these schools are going to wait around for. You know, you can find someone else who can shoot the basketball really well. Now, the competitive person in me says they can't do it as well as I can, but, you know, they, they can they can uh, find someone who can do it. Uh, so these schools weren't going to wait around for, for me to, to get healthy. And and rightfully so, right? I mean, I, if I was a coach, I wouldn't. Um, so I get it. But it was just a really, really bad time to, uh, to have a serious injury like that. Um, I remember I had the surgery surgery July 20th, and about a week later, I went. My high school team was playing in like a team camp at Fairleigh Dickinson. I went, and the paper interviewed me. Now at this point, I'm probably still on pain meds, um, and I I told them that don't worry, I'll be back opening night. Now. Generally, in ACL surgery, you're not back for six to ten months. Yeah. So if I have surgery, if I have surgery, surgery July twentieth, opening night is early December. So that's like four and a half to five months, right? So I basically just Joe Namath guarantee in the Bergen record that I was going to be ready by opening night. Um, <laughs> Which I'm actually kind of glad I did. Cause, you know, I, I cut that the next day. It was in the paper, and I remember mom telling me, she's like, no, oh, you got an interview last night, huh? <laughs> um, and, uh, and I cut it out, and I, I hung up on my bed, and, and I, you know, I read it every morning, every night to, to kind of push myself. Um, because I did. I, I did want to get back for senior year, and... and Part of me thought if I could get back and, and prove I'm healthy, maybe those schools would come back. The other part of me knew that probably wasn't going to happen, but I, w- I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to, to prove to people that, that, that I can come back from this. And um, so after the surgery, you basically have two weeks where, where you can't move, right? They give you this machine that bends your leg for you. And you have to do it three times a day for two hours. Um, and I'm lucky. Uh, I had a really good friend, Kevin, who would uh, not only was he waiting at the house 
the day I had my surgery, uh, waiting for me to wake up. But he would come over and play video games or talk to me for those six hours that I had to do that machine. So that was really painful. It was really tedious. Um, that, that was awful. Um, the thing about HDL, you know, surgery and, and rehab is it really, really tests you. You know, it tests you physically, tests you mentally, emotionally. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Um, but after the after the machine, then you can start to kind of walk, and that's when you start the real physical therapy. And, and we were lucky enough to find a physical therapist in the health club that I worked out at. Um, they had a physical therapy office, and and you know we talked to the guy, and he was on board to to, to push me as hard as he could safely, but push me as hard as he could to try to get back in time for, for opening night. Um, the surgeon, on the other hand, was not. So we wound up switching doctors, and we found it was actually um, Michigan State team doctor, and he also did work through our high school. He was confident that if, when the time comes, I could pass what's called a strength test. Um, I'm sure there's a medical term for the test, but it's a strength test. Um, and I wore the brace that he was comfortable with me playing, knowing as long as I knew that there's a good chance I could tear it again, and, and I was fine with that. Um, but once I had that from the doctor that's saying that if you're, you're strong enough, I, I was happy because that kind of put the onus on me. Now it was up to me to rehab as hard as I can to get back. And the... The first few weeks of rehab are, are boring, right? You're riding a bike, you're doing, you know, stim and ice and heat, you're doing, you know, hip exercises. Because when you have surgery, ACL surgery, your muscles atrophy, like, like you can't even believe. I was amazed how quickly my leg muscles went away. So wow. the whole part of rehab, the, the whole part of rehab is building up your hamstring and your quad and your calves and your ankle, building up everything around the HDL so that it's stabilized. Um, and again, the first few weeks, you can't just load up the squat rack and start squatting, right? You got to build your way up. And so a lot of, a lot of weird things like standing on, uh, you know, the Bonsu balls, like the half moon balls, yeah. standing on that on one leg and having a catch with the physical therapist. Um, sitting in an office chair and pushing the office chair around the gym with your surgically repaired knee. Um, I never had a bad knee. I had a surgically repaired knee, and I had a right knee. I never referred to it as my bad knee. Um, but so the other good thing about having physical therapist in the health club was he was able to kind of monitor me when I didn't have sessions with him, and he was able to give me workouts to do on my own. So I from, you know, probably the, the third week of August until basketball season, I lived in that gym. I, I was there all the time, um, which I'm sure Bob and Dad liked. I wasn't around the house too much. I'm sure you liked that too. But um, <laughs> I, I just did everything I could to, to make sure that when the time came, I, I was strong enough to play, and I knew it was a, 
I knew it was going to be tough. I knew it was going to be uh, close. You know, I knew it was if I was strong enough by the time basketball season started. Um, but there's a few a few moments that stand out. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm hijacking all your time. Um, no, no, this is your episode. Mo- <laughs> there's a few moments that stand out. Towards the end of August, I'm about five weeks post-surgery. Uh, towards the end of August, Dad is taking Damien out, our older brother, to eat before he left for what would have been, I guess, his sophomore year of college. Um, you and Mom weren't around. You were probably in Florida. But he, <laughs> he took him to uh, the TGI Fridays, not the one in Hackensack, the one down on 17 South. Which, okay. You know, your oldest son's going away from college and taking the TGI Friday. Um, Classy. But uh, for some reason, I was walking ahead of them, and I remember hearing Dad say to Damien, look, he's walking without a limp. And that was, like, the greatest thing in the world to me at that time. Like, I was walking without a limp. It was awesome, right? Mm-hmm. And then a week later, I go back to school, and I remember – the girls' basketball coach, who's also my calculus teacher, uh, called me down to the office. I hadn't seen her. It was the first day of school. He called me down to the office to tell me that uh, she heard about my injury and it ruined her summer. <laughs> and basically she had to do it. So I, I missed, like, my first period class, first day of school, because my calc teacher wanted to tell me that I ruined her summer. Um, but it, it was cool. It, you know, it showed that, that she cared. Um so the, the other um, the other cool thing was the the uh, physical therapist Rob, his assistant Gil. I think they set something up with the front desk of the gym that every time I swiped in, they got an alert so that they could monitor me and make sure I wasn't doing anything I wasn't supposed to be doing because I I always saw Gil, Rob's assistant, watching me. As I was working out, um, you know, the silver lining is, is I, I spent a lot of time in the gym, so I was able to, to get stronger, not only in, in my legs, which I needed to, but in my upper body as well. And, and the health club I went to had a track, it had basketball courts, it had, a, it had everything I needed. So I was able to shoot. By October, I was able to run straightaways, no cutting. So I was running sprints and shooting. I, I was in really good shape. Um, I wasn't in basketball shape yet. I obviously hadn't played a, a competitive basketball game since June, but I, I was I was in, in good shape. Um, and then the time came for the uh, the strength test about a week before a week and a half before the season started. Um, and what the strength test is is you do all these different exercises hooked up to a machine, and it, and it measures the percentage of your surgically repaired knee to your non-surgically repaired knee. And if those percentages fell in a certain, you know, if it was 70% as strong or whatever the numbers were, then our doctor was, was confident with clearing me to play as long as I had one of those big, bulky ACL braces. So, um, yeah, that, that test uh, happened during the day. My high school team practiced that night. And when practice started, started the day after Thanksgiving, 
uh, I would just be on one side courts shooting and jumping rope and running sprints. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't really practice, obviously. Um, so <clears throat> how it worked was I went to practice and mom gave me dad's cell phone. This is one of his Nokia flip phones. This is before cell phones, before everyone had a cell phone, right? And mm-hmm. uh, the, the place where the strength test was was going to send the results, ask the results for a doctor. He was going to look at them and then call mom and, and and mom was going to call me. So I'm off on the side court. I'd take a shot. I'd go check the phone. I'd take a shot. I'd go check the phone. It was the most nerve-wracking experience of my life uh, and this was until the birth of my children. This was just a very nerve-wracking. Um, and the phone rang, and I swear, I swear time stopped, right? I know yeah. practice stopped. When they heard the phone, when they heard the phone ring, practice stopped. So I, I, I took the phone and uh, I went back into the locker room and I answered it. And it, it's kind of funny. It's another cool moment. My mom didn't even say hi. She just her exact words were, "Congratulations, player." <laughs> Which is <laughs> funny, right? Uh. And, and uh, I remember saying, "Okay." Okay, bye, Mom, right? And I just, like, had a moment myself of just, I was so psyched. Like, I was so happy I did it. And then I remember another emotion came over me, and it was like, oh, my God, what if I suck? Like, what if I <laughs> suck, right? And then and then that, like, quickly went away, and I was like, gosh, screw it. I'm, I'm playing. Like, I, I did it. I came back in four and a half months. Like, I, I was so psyched. And... and and then my coach came into the locker room. I gave him a thumbs up, and he needed to hear it from mom himself because he, he knew me. He, he'd think I'd be like, hey, I'm fine. Let's go practice, right? <laughs> um, so, so I had to call mom back, and he had to hear it from her. And um, I've had a lot of good relationships with, with coaches. But what happened in that moment was the, the coolest experience I've ever had with a coach. After he... After he talked to mom, you know, he gave me a hug, and, and he said, he said, we did it. He said, we did it. And, and he goes, he goes you, I mean, you did it. You did it. And he, and he said, uh, you know, we, we've got another year. We've got another year together. And, and that was just a cool, cool moment to share with him. And I remember coming home and having another cool moment with dad. Um, I was just so excited. And, and luckily, our trainer... Her husband worked for a manufacturer of that big ACL brace, so she was able to get me fitted that night and put, like, a rush order on the brace, and I had it um, a few days later. And it's crazy. There's, like, four different straps. You have to put them on in a certain order. You have to take them off in a certain order. Um, It's not fun. And, you know, they say after your ACL, it's all mental. Well, it's hard not to think about it when you have that big brace on, you know? Um, yeah. So I played, I, I played senior year. Um, we weren't good. And we only had a handful of wins. Um, I wasn't good. I think I think I wound up averaging 20 points a game, but I, I, I wasn't myself. I was, uh, you know, I was four and a half months post-ACL surgery. So I was what you thought I'd be. Um, 
But I, I didn't care. Uh, um, I uh, I made it back for senior year. That's what I wanted to do, and, and uh, I, I was I was just so so psyched to, to be playing again because you don't realize how how much you miss playing something as stupid as a game of basketball until you can, you know. Absolutely. Uh, it was a really, really hard, hard experience. Something really hard to go through. Like I said, I wouldn't wish it on my on my worst enemies, but I, I think I learned a lot about myself in the process. Uh, I was always a hard worker, but that, that made me take it to another level. Um, you know, I think I learned that life is a bear all the time. You know, things happen. And, and it's how you respond to it, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was hard, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for anything. Wow, Kyle, it was so interesting hearing you talking about that because, I, as I said in the beginning, I know a lot of the answers to these questions, but because I was little, I was around eight when you were going through this, and all of that I don't remember. I knew that you. Um, when you got hurt, those colleges kind of stopped recruiting you. I had no idea how close it was to that open period. So that's very interesting to me. And I knew you worked hard. And as I was writing the notes for these episodes, I wrote, came back to play for senior year. And then I stopped and to think about it. And I was like, wait, all these college kids that you see tear their ACL, they're out for the year. He never missed a season. So I, I, I literally texted you, I think, and I was like, Wait, you played all four years of high school, right? So that's just so interesting for me to hear. And I'm, I'm really proud of you that you went through that. And uh, I almost feel bad that I was young when that happened. And I kind of wasn't there for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, um, like I said, it, it was tough. And, and I was able to come back a lot, a lot quicker than move. Um, and maybe I'm just a good healer, but a lot of it was all the all the work I did because I there's no way I was gonna you know this, this injury took away a scholarship basically right and there's no way I was gonna let this take away my senior year too um, so I, I I worked my butt off um, and. I remember another, another cool, uh, cool thing about it was before I left the college, dad took me out to lunch, not TGI Friday, um, <laughs> but, but one of the first things he said was how proud he was of, you know, how, how hard I worked, how I was able to come back so quickly, and um, I knew he was. I just don't know that he ever said it. Um, and uh, that was just a really, really cool, cool moment. Then he gave me some advice on college, which was interesting. I'll keep that to myself. But <laughs> that, was a, that, was, that was a really cool moment with Dad. Um, yeah, that, that, was, that was cool. That was special. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Dad is your biggest fan. He's all of our biggest fans, but uh, he's very proud of your basketball career. And I vividly remember the first game you came back for senior year. It was at Clifton, right? At Clifton, um, I remember, yeah, I remember very well. I stunk. I think I finished <laughs> with 18. 
uh, like I said, we weren't good. Um, we were really good when I was a freshman. Um, and throughout the years, we lost guys, uh, whether someone flunked out, uh, someone became a father, two kids wanted to focus on football, which was the right choice. They wound up going to Rutgers, I think, on full ride. But so um, by the time I was a senior, we weren't very good. Um, and then add in the fact that I was playing on one and a half legs, right? Um, and we played Christian, and I remember the kid guarding me and was quoted in the paper saying that he, he shut me down. Now, there's a lot to say about that. Um, <laughs> he had 18 points. Well, one, he didn't shut me down. I was, you know, I was playing on, on just <laughs> learning how to play with that new brace, right? Yeah. Um, and Billy, Billy, our kind of brother Billy, his dad said to me after I read the article, he said, if you're being held to 18 points, you must be doing something right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I never forgot that, that kid. And uh, I ran into him in college. Uh, he was on Ramapo. He didn't play, but uh, I gave him an earful. Man, this is like senior year. This is like five years later. He probably had no idea what I was talking about, but I <laughs> let him have it. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just remember sitting with mom and dad that game. They were just so nervous and scared just because they were afraid what happens if your knee, if you get hurt again. I, I, I can imagine um, how that must have felt. That must have been tough. But I was kind of at peace with if it happens again, it happens again. You know, I, I, I knew the risk. Um, I trusted the work I put in. I, I trusted that, that it was stable based on all, you know, all, all the work I put in to build up the muscles around it. Um, and it was a risk I was willing to take, you know, um, I wanted to play my senior year and I knew that there was a risk of re-injury and, uh, there was, I, I wasn't hesitant at all about it. You know, when the doctor said you could hurt it again. I said, I know, and I, I don't care. You know, I, I, there's no way I wasn't going to play. And I get why you wanted to play senior year. It's your senior year. You're quoted in the paper about it. But did you and our parents <laughs> ever discuss you sitting out senior year, graduating from high school, and then attending a prep school for a year, where now you're a year out from the surgery, so you're even more healthy, and potentially those D1 scholarships, D2 school scholarships could come back around. Was that ever a conversation you guys had? I never talked about not playing senior year. That wasn't an option for me. Um, the prep school thing was brought up by my AAU coach. Um, he had connections with the coach down at Petty, uh, which is near where I live now. Um, and he thought that was the best thing to do. Um, but to be honest, all my friends were going to college. I wanted to go to college. I didn't want to go to high school again. And I wanted to go to a good school, a good academic school and play basketball. Um, and I remember having to fill out this questionnaire, this media questionnaire for TKNJ, um, 
after I had committed and they sent all this paperwork to fill out. And, and I remember sitting at our kitchen table in Maywood and, and mom coming to sit down and saying how she knows I'm a little bummed that, you know, I have to go to this Division three school, it's not Division one, but selfishly, you know, your father can come to all your games. And, you know, I'd never really thought about that. But it, it, it's true, like, like now that I'm a parent thinking about that, like that, that's so great, and he did. I mean, he missed one, two games. One was around the holidays, and he couldn't, he, and he worked a lot around the holidays. The other one was him and mom flip-flop uh, one weekend where dad went to one of your games. You know, mom used to go to your games, and dad would go to my games, they, they twist. And the funny thing about that is it was like one of the most exciting games of all four years. There was like a half-court buzzer beater sent into overtime. Oh, my and God. And I remember, talking, I remember talking with Chris and Billy after the game, like, should we just make it seem like it was any run-of-the-mill game? Because we don't want to make my dad upset, right? Because um, <laughs> I'm sure my game didn't go that way. I'm sure my team probably got blown out by 40. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, but yeah, no, and he was able to go to every game. There's a picture of him down in D.C. when we had a, a Thanksgiving tournament. There's a picture of him by the Washington Monument building a work call before one of our games. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, prep, back to your question, prep school wasn't, it was talked about and stuff, but like I said, I, ECMJ gave me what I wanted, a good academic where I can play basketball. And the other thing that a lot of people don't realize about Division Three is Division Three is filled with people with stories like mine, right? Uh, you know, people who maybe just were a little undersized to be a Division One power forward, or, or maybe you had someone who bloomed really late, right, and became a really good player, or someone maybe who played baseball and didn't play AAU basketball, right, things like that. And especially the league that TCMJ is in, really, really good. Um, so I, I never thought like, oh, I'll just go to TCMJ for a year and then I'll transfer to Division One. But that was never a thought either. Um, it was, I'm going to TCMJ and, and I'm going to play basketball and, and I'm going to get a degree. And, uh, you know, I, I was okay with that. Um, it's... Uh, you know, it's funny when, when you talked about this podcast and this would come up and um, if I don't, if I don't tear my ACL, I don't go to TCNJ. I, I, and I know everyone has a story. Everyone was a division one athlete until they got hurt. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But in my case, it, it, in my case, it's true. Like it, I wasn't, I wouldn't have gone to TCNJ if I didn't get hurt. I would have gone to one of those, Patriot League schools. I'm, I I know I know it for a fact, right? And I'm not trying to come off as arrogant, but I just no, you're not. If, if I don't if I don't get hurt, if I don't tear my ACL, I don't have the friends that I have now. You know, my old teammates who we've been at each other's weddings. Our kids know each other. You know, uh, if I don't go to TCNJ, I I never meet my wife, right? I never meet Kristen. And, and she's just the greatest person I know. And, and if I don't tear my ACL and have to go to TCNJ, I don't have the two just absolute amazing, most precious things in the world to me in, in your nephew and niece, Logan and Madeline. So, so I, 
as hard as it was at the time to tear my ACL and to, to miss out on going to a Division One school with, with, you know, and be able to, to, to try to make an NCAA tournament every year. You know, I'd love the NCAA tournament. It, it, it's a dream of mine to play in it. And, and now it's taken away from me, you know, when I got hurt. But to, to, to tear my ACL at, at, that led me to where I am now, um, you know, with the friends I have from CCNJ, with the career I had at CCNJ, with, with my wonderful wife and my two amazing kids, I would tear my ACL every time. And I'm not, I'm not just saying that. Like, I, I would choose that path every single time. Yeah, I would choose that too for you because I love your wife and kids. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> But to be serious, I mean, you're right. When you're 17 or eight, I guess 17 and you're going through this, you're obviously not seeing your life in your 30s yet. Now that you're here, you see all these wonderful no. things that have happened, and you're right. Something that seems so devastating at 17 turned out to be a blessing. Yeah, no, no you're absolutely right. It, it, it's uh, me tying my ACL and, and having to go through that, that whole painful, frustrating, lonely process, uh, you know, schools basically saying you're not good enough anymore and, and things like that, that, that you know, gut-wrenching process led me to my, my beautiful wife and my awesome kids, and again, I would choose that path every day. Um, it led me to, to where I am now, and, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful for it. To be honest, I wish uh, I wish my my 30 something year old self could have told my 17 year old self that in in the moment it'll work out. Um, <laughs> but uh, funny how things work out. Would 17 year old Kyle have appreciated Madeline? I'm not sure. <laughs> 17 year old Kyle was not thinking about a wife and kids. <laughs> but um you know you talk about going to tcnj what ultimately led you to choose the college of new jersey they just never gave up on you from your um from your injury to playing again yeah it's actually funny um around the time of my injury unfortunately our grandfather passed away um he he had been sick for a while and um the graduate, the graduate assistant at CCNJ was dad's old college teammate's son. And they came to the wake, and, and I remember him saying, we want you no matter what, right? Um, mm -hmm. And at the time, you know, I'm thinking, like, ah, I'm not going there, right? But then when you think about it, like, that's really cool. Because while every other school is saying, basically, you're damaged goods, right? They're saying, we want you no matter what. And that, that always meant something to me. Um, remember, they were the first letter I got when I was in South Pole, and that also meant something to me. And, and the location of the school is great. Um, I knew people that went there. You know, some of Damien's friends went there. Um, so I actually hung out with on my official visit there. Um, it was like, like mom mentioned, it was close enough for dad to go to every game. And dad and, and our cousin Chris and our kind of brother Billy went to every game. 
home and away. Um, and that meant a lot to me. And um, like I said, it was a really good academic school. The classroom sizes weren't too big. Um, the campus was nice and improving and getting nicer. Um, it was, again, now I look back on it, it was everything I wanted at the time. It was everything I wanted, but it wasn't Division One, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But now that I look back, it was everything I wanted. Um, like I said, day one when I reported on campus, I met um, two of my teammates in the weight room, two other freshmen, Bobby and, and Scott, and we've been friends ever since that day. Um, you know, Bobby, Bobby's daughter and my son are friends. They're on the same soccer team. And I, it's like, that's so cool to me. Um, that's kind of what college sports and the whole college experience is about, I think. Absolutely. So before we get into your great career at TCNJ, I just want to wrap up uh, your high school career and brag for you. You graduated from Mackensack High School in 2001 as the basketball team's career leader in three-point baskets, a record that still hasn't been broken today. This is impressive for several reasons. One, it's a huge high school consisting of four towns, so it's not some little podunk town. Also, you admitted you weren't 100% back when you played senior year, so you hold the record on three healthy seasons. So I can't imagine how, how good that record would be if you were at 100% senior year. Yeah, I probably would have gotten up some more shots. Um, yeah, I don't... I assume I'm the all-time leading two-point shooter there. I don't know if they have any website or anything. I, I don't have time to check, but um, I uh, I played with two players my junior year in high school. We had a good team, one of the best teams in the county, and um, we had three guards. And, um, you know, I didn't always draw the best defender, I guess. And, uh, you know, I was able to, to get some open looks. Um, senior year, I, I know I got a lot of defensive attention. But, again, I, I spent all fall shooting. You know, I spent all fall shooting and, and working on my rehab. So I, I learned how to get shots off with, with very little mobility. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I... Had a pretty good high school career. Um, I wish it would have ended better. Um, I wish senior year would have been different as far as our record and as far as my health. But like I said, it it, it ended where I am today, and it is what it is. Absolutely. And as they say, every setback is an opportunity for a major comeback. At TCNJ, you were a four-year player, starting a lot, if not most games. All that hard work you put into rehabbing, you turned into an incredible career. You scored over a thousand points. And, and one thing that, that was neat, especially to me, is that the parents come up with the player and the coach before the start of the next game, after passing the thousand-point mark, and they take a picture. With, uh, I guess the ball has the engravement of the date and the game that they, the player scored a thousand points on. Um, so yeah, like I said, the parents come up, but for yours, you invited me up there. I don't know if you remember that. That like meant a lot to me though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. Um, 
the whole thousand point thing is cool, right? I mean, it's, it's a cool accomplishment, but um, every day in my senior year, so I, I scored my thousand point probably within the first like seven games or so of my senior year. But every game, they would say in like the article after the game, how many points I'm away from the thousand. So no matter how much you don't think about it, it it's in the back of your mind. Again, I didn't really care that much. Um, you know, senior year, we were good. We were nationally ranked. I wanted to win on the team and do well. I wasn't concerned about the thousand points, but it is in the back of your mind. So the, the game I got a thousand points, I think I was like, I don't know, six points away, right? And, and we were playing down in Delaware. And I remember the first touch I got there again, I think I shot a six pointer. I just wanted to get it over with, right? Um, <laughs> And I wound up getting my thousand point on like a semi-fast break, like double clutching layup. Like if you know me, that's probably the only time I did that my whole career. It's just kind of funny how I got the thousand point. And it was cool that they stopped the game, right? It was an away game. This coach doesn't know me, but he knew it was my thousand point. They stopped the game, and I was able to, to go over and you know hug my coaches and my teammates. Um, and dad, Chris, and Billy were there, obviously. And the other funny story about that is when I got back to our apartment, I was living with um, a point guard, um, little Bobby. When I got back to our, our apartment, there are balloons and congratulation cards from you know, a group of uh, friends on, on the, uh, the girls' soccer team that we had. And I remember, I guess Bobby had given them a key to our place to, to do that for, right? And I remember saying, like, what if I didn't get it? And he, <laughs> he said... You were getting the ball from me every possession until you got it. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. With the picture, though, now I'm kind of mad about it because the picture's at our parents' house in the living room, and I'm about 13 in that picture, and no 13-year-old is good-looking. That was my awkward phase with frizzy hair and braces that is uh, up in our parents' living room. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Is it? I thought, I thought all their grandkids' pictures have taken over any pictures of us. Most of them are, but there is, there's, that one still is in the back. It's in the back, though. Okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you, you also hold the three-point record at TCNJ. You were a tri-captain as a senior. The team was nationally ranked that year. So tell me about some of the highlights of your career that you look back on. Yeah, so there was about five freshmen that came in, and we kind of played right away. Um, and, and then sophomore year, we picked up a transfer in, in uh, Little Bobby, the point guard. Junior year, we picked up a transfer uh, in Mike Snyder, who came from UMBC, the team that uh, that knocked off Virginia two years ago. Um, yeah, okay. And he was so a transfer. I didn't realize he came from there. Yeah, yeah. The first two years... We kind of took our lumps. Um, in junior year, we made the postseason tournament, the, the conference tournament. And then senior year, we were nationally ranked. Now, we definitely underachieved senior year. Um, we wound up losing in the opening round of the conference tournament to a team. We lost at home to a team that we had beaten by 20 both times during the regular season. Uh, it's just one of those things. Um, and... Yes, so I don't I don't necessarily remember the highs or the lows. Um, I remember the my teammates. 
I remember a lot of the, the fun times we had together. Um, I remember my first game. I remember my last game. And uh, I just remember really enjoying my four years of playing basketball. Um, you know, when you're with these guys every single day, and it's not just in season, because that is season you're, you're lifting weights, you're running, you're playing open gym. And you live with most of them. You know, you eat with them all the time. You're in class with them. It, it's just, it, it's this bond, it's this brotherhood that you develop. And that's kind of, that's the fondness I have about it. Um, as far as getting a lot of threes in college, uh, again, uh, I had good teammates. Um, all four years, I had a really, I had really good point guards. Um, the other two kids who are in my class are two and three all-time scoring. So they drew defensive attention, right? Um, and, and Scott Finley was an awesome power forward. I think he's number two in the scoring list. Um, so he drew attention down low. Derek Grant is number three on the scoring list. And he wound up being a world trotter after college. So he always drew the best defender. So I was able to not go unnoticed because I, I know I was important in other people's scouting reports, but I, I played with good players. And when you play with good players, they make you better. Um, and uh, yeah, I was able to knock down a lot of shots. Um, I also missed a lot of shots. But uh, it was. Yeah, again, I don't, I don't think about the wins and the losses, really. I just think about my teammates. And, and you know, when I'm sitting around with Bobby and we're watching college football on a Saturday together, we're not talking about, oh, I remember that time we lost the Rowan, right? We're talking about, yeah. remember that time so-and-so did this on the bus. You know what I mean? <laughs> Things like yeah. that, um, which, is, which is really cool. Um, for sure, the friendships that you make in college, they matter more than the wins and losses. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I have two career highlights that I remember best for you. Um, I obviously went to a handful of games. As you said, it wasn't too far away from where we lived. Um, one is funny and one is serious. <laughs> one time, it was an away game at your rival, Rowan. You at the time had grown out your hair. Yeah, and uh, the yeah, the curls. And uh, you're at the foul line, and the Rowan student section is chanting, "Get a haircut." <laughs> that was so funny. I, I think mom. I think mom was leading the chant. That's what. That's what I was about to say. Legend has it that our mom, who very outspokenly didn't like that haircut, hair, long hair of yours. <laughs> Went up into the student section and uh, was start started that chant. <laughs> Mom was the only female that didn't like that hair. Oh, <laughs> no, I was just kidding. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was a mop top. Holy that. Um, yeah. We actually we all without planning it we all kind of grew our hair out junior year. I remember we watched Kate from junior year senior year on an opponent. And Derek had like a throw. I had my throw. And now there were freshmen who hadn't seen us when we were juniors, right? There were freshmen now that we're seniors, and they just kind of looked at us like, what the hell are you guys thinking? 
The serious highlight is that in your very last game uh, that you just talked about ended up being a conference tournament loss. You hit a three-pointer to tie the game at a t- as time was winding down. And I know TSNJ ultimately didn't win, but it was a big shot and a big in a big moment. And what I remember best about that is that I'm I'm animated when I'm watching a game. You know, I like get up and cheer. Our dad was always kind of more a more nervous watcher of your games. And I was like cheering and I I see him poke I feel him poke me on the shoulder and I look at him and he just like puts his hand out for me to high five and it's like shaking. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah. You know me, I'm obnoxious and he's just like so nervous and <laughs> So I remember that's funny. That's funny. I remember the first shot I took my freshman year and the last shot I took. I think that was the last shot I took um, senior year. They both went in, which was cool. But um, I remember that pretty well. We were down all game. Like I said, we we beat this team's brains in twice. Once at our place, once at their place. And um, for them to come to our place and beat us was embarrassing. But we we were not playing well, um, and uh, I remember we went on a run the last few minutes to to close their lead, and it was a kind of semi fast break. And uh, Mike Snyder uh, gave me kind of a shovel pass on a semi fast break, and I pulled up from three to tie it. Um, and yeah, it, it was a big big shot at the time. They they came down and scored. Uh, we couldn't get a defensive stop we needed. And then we had the ball with a chance to tie or win, and we had Derek Grant, who's a player of the year in the conference, one of the best Division players, Division three players all year uh, with the ball, and he kind of had an isolation on top, and he took a pull-up jumper, and, you know, eight times out of ten, he makes it, and we either win or we go into overtime. But, but that night, it just, I guess, wasn't in the cards, and he missed it, and we lost. Um, yeah, as far as the big shot, it was, uh, I like taking big shots. Um, especially, you know, as a two-year captain, as a captain and as a leader, you know, you like to put the onus on yourself. But I could take it if I if I missed a big shot. I, I could take being responsible for it. Um, but I like the pressure. Um it never really, never really got to me. It was, it was fun to me, um, and, and that was a big shot. Unfortunately, we didn't get the uh, the defensive stops we needed. That was kind of uh, the story all year, all year long. Like I said, I don't, I don't wake up every day and, and think about losing the row in, in the conference tournament. The thing about Division Three is they've expanded it now. But back then, if you didn't win your conference tournament, you're not going to NCAA tournament because there was only like one or two at large bit. It was all conference winners. Um, so if you didn't win your conference tournament, you don't go to the NCAA tournament. So, so that loss meant that, and that it's over, you know, the career's over, um, which was, which sucked. Um, that was a, that was a, a tough feeling knowing your career is over. Um, I remember that night, coming out of my bedroom into the living room of our apartment almost at the exact same time that, that little Bobby did, uh, my roommate. Neither of us could sleep. And we're just sitting there in our, in our boxer shorts 
without the TV on, not talking, just like, I don't know, confused, uh, sad, just not talking. And at one point, uh, I remember Bobby saying something about, this is the longest we've gone without talking. And I said, all right, I'll break the ice. And I made a joke about it not being so bad for him because he can start a new career as a jockey because he was small, he was, he was small for fed, just to kind of break the ice. And then uh, it was back to normal. But yeah, it was, it was a weird, it was a weird night. We were just kind of sitting there, <clears throat> staring in space, both kind of shocked that something that, that is so important and that you worked so hard for and, and, and it's just like over, right? I, I mean, I had some opportunities after college but not a lot of guys do, and it's it, it's a weird feeling to, to not, for me, to not have to wake up the next day and get better, quicker, faster, stronger, whatever I did every day to be a better basketball player. I didn't have to do that anymore, um, and that was a weird, that was a weird feeling. Yeah, that must have been weird. But after you graduated from TCNJ. You did contemplate going overseas to play professionally in Europe, didn't you? I did. I got invited to a few, like, camps, uh, like, European basketball camps. Uh, one was in Florida, um, and I played really well in that one. I remember being excited about it. I also remember it being, oh, our older brother lives in Florida. Maybe he can watch me play. It's a trip to Florida to play basketball. If nothing else, it's one more week in the basketball before the real world, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, so I went and, and I got on a team that actually played basketball, right? We passed, we moved, we shared the ball, which you don't see at these like showcase camps. So, so I actually wound up, I think, leading the camp in scoring because I played with kids that shared the ball and, and, and we made the right plays. Um, I actually, I missed the last game of that camp. Our team made the championship, so I had a flight to get. Um, it was a cool experience, and I remember I, I got a call. got invited to play. A few guys from that camp were invited to go over to Germany and play against German teams and try to sign with different teams in Germany. And it seemed like fun. It seemed cool, but I had... Uh, I had a few more credits to finish at school, and there was no way I was going to go overseas without uh, graduating. I I also think, um, I think I was burnt out by that. Um, I think I was just ready to take a break from basketball. Um, I could see that. Which is shocking. Which is shocking, <laughs> I know. But I think I was just ready to, to go finish my last year of school, be a regular student, um, you know, be able to go to parties that I, that I wasn't able to do for the basketball. I was just kind of, yeah, I think I was just kind of burnt out. Um, and I don't, I don't regret it. Uh, I don't regret the decision. Um, but it, it is, and it's also something I don't talk about a lot, but it is cool to know that uh, to go from, like I said, in high school, to being told you're not good enough to 
the kind of coming full circle that at the end of my career is being told I am good enough, you know, um, that, that was cool to me. That was, uh, you know, things kind of came full circle. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. I'm proud of you. Our whole family's proud of you. Thank you. And you had a year of college where you could just be a jerky frat guy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it wasn't about, like, the partying or anything. It was just kind of about, I don't know, just taking a break from basketball for a little while. Um, I, I still watched it. I still shot. I still played. Just taking a break from the, the you know, the seriousness of it, I guess. Um, when, when, when every day of your life from when you're, I don't know, 15 until you're 22, every day you're working at becoming a better basketball player. I'm not trying to make it sound like I didn't have a social life or anything, but like every day that was my focus. It, it, it does take a lot out of you. Um, and that's why I think kids these days should not focus on just one sport when they're so young because they will get burnt out way, way sooner than, than most, right? Than someone yeah, who plays three different. Um, yeah, I think I was burnt out. Um, but um, it was cool to, to be, to go to this camp with all these supposedly great players and, and kind of lead the camp in scoring and, uh, and prove that I was good enough. Um, that, that was cool. That was kind of the icing on the cake for my career, um, in my mind. Like, that, that was awesome. That is awesome. We're looking at you, Lehigh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, <laughs> no, nah, I mean, can't blame them. You see something, I mean, they, they got C.J. McCollum. Not, not the same year I would have been there, but uh, they're doing something right if they're getting C.J. McCollum. So I, maybe they, yeah, uh, they beat Duke that year. In the tournament, maybe, maybe they uh, they made the right decision. Uh, and like I said, I don't blame them. I mean, I if I was an assistant coach and I had only a certain amount of scholarships, I wouldn't give one to me. With a you have no idea when I'm going to be able to play again. Like I I totally get it. Now, in my mind, you know, I said you can find someone who does what I what I did well. In my mind, they can't do it as well. Um, but I, again, I, I get it, and I, I knew, I knew that that was kind of the end of the Division One offers. Um, yeah, it was it was disappointing. Like I said, it it happened, and I am where I am, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that it happened. Yeah, you're in a great spot, and it comes full circle, as you said. So after your Van Wilder year at TCNJ, you finally graduate <laughs> and you start a career in marketing, but you still kept basketball in your life, playing in multiple summer leagues with former teammates. And today you coach and give, and give lessons. Can you talk about how you got into that? Yeah, it's actually kind of funny how I got into basketball training. Um, I made the mistake of reading a book on expecting fathers, and it scared me how expensive kids are. And I said, oh, my God, I got to get a second job, right? So I, uh, 
I found this guy who does basketball training in the area, and we met up, and he's actually becoming an NBA rep. So his business, he needed someone to kind of take it over for him. So that's where I came, and I kind of do all of the trainings now, and, and a local travel basketball team hired us to help run their, their program. So I also coach. Now I coach sixth and seventh graders, and I train anyone from fourth grade to high school, and it's it, it's fun for me. It's, it's a second job. I wouldn't call it a job. I'd call it a hobby that I get paid pretty well doing. It's uh, parents pay a lot uh, for one-on-one focus for their kids, especially because I live in a, you know, we live in an area where, where there's some wealthy towns and there's some parents who want to give their kids the best opportunity. Um, so I, I train kids and it's fun. You know, it's, uh, it, it's not about, you know, you watch a YouTube video on basketball training and they got these kids, you know, dribbling seven balls while riding a unicycle, things like that, which is so outrageous. You know, we work on shooting, we work on confidence, we work on, everything that, that kids, especially young kids, need uh, to succeed in basketball. And it's, it's something I really enjoy. It's something I think I'm really good at. And it's also something that I don't need to prepare for, right? I, I can, you mentioned that I, I just kind of know basketball. I, I can see someone. I can watch them play and know what they need work on. Um, that's kind of how I was myself. I knew what I had to work on. Um, so it's it's a, it's a fun little little side job. I like training better than I like coaching, I think, um, just because I know every drill, every everything possible just through playing and, and training myself all those years um, that I do enjoy coaching, but I think I enjoy the training aspect better because you get to push these kids. Um, I, I think kids these days, don't know how to work out, um, which is crazy because you have YouTube, you have all these different things at your fingertips to help you work out and to give you drills, but they just they don't they don't do it, um, which is good for me because I come in and I, I help them work out on their own and, and I get them better and, and it's uh, I really I really enjoy it. Uh, if it can be a full time gig, I'd love to do it. But right now, it's just uh, a part-time hobby that I get paid for, and I really enjoy it. And I do hope one day you have that opportunity to make that a full-time position, because I know how much you enjoy it, and I know how good you are at it. Yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be fun. It'd be a cool way to make a living. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe down the line. For now, I, I have a job. I, I like it. I'm good at it. Um, my wife has a great job. She likes it. She's good at it. We're uh, we're doing well, and um, we don't need any big lifestyle changes just yet. But with two little ones, <laughs> that's probably true. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, you're married to your amazing wife, Kristen, and you have two beautiful children. Two of my favorite people in the world, Logan and Madeline. It's such a blessing for me to be around your family so much and watch your kids grow up. You know, watching you, you're seriously the best father, and they're so lucky to have you. Well, thank you. That's uh, 
that's more important than any amount of uh, three-pointers I, I hit in my life. Um, but like I said, we had a dad who was always there. Um, so, so he showed me what it is to, to be a good father, right? And, and mm-hmm. mom showed us what it is to be a good mother. And um, Absolutely. I, I, I learned from them and, and, and being the father to Logan and Madeline is, it's hard, it's stressful, it's the most rewarding thing in the whole world, um, and it's the most important thing to me. Like I said, it's more important than any, any, uh, <laughs> any basketball thing I ever did, and um, like I said before, you know, my torn ACL, that story, the, the story of me not being a Division One athlete because I got hurt, led me to where I am and, and led me to, to being Kristen's husband and being Logan and Madeline's father, and, and that is everything to me, um, and it's something that I don't take for granted. That's beautiful. And like you said, we, did, we do have great parents. We're so lucky, and because of that, you're a great father. Our older brother is a great father, and I hope one day to be a good mother because we learn from Definitely. the best. Definitely. Although I will say this, when Logan goes off to college, I won't take him to TGI Friday. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Dad takes me to that fancy Italian restaurant, El Villaggio. So I don't know. Maybe I'm his favorite or something. I get the good stuff. Yeah, we address this. Right? You get away with everything. You get the good <laughs> meals. Poor David stuck eating a, a patty milk from TGI Friday or whatever. so out of logan and madeline who do you think has the potential to be a basketball player or do they both oh boy uh (laughs) they both seem pretty athletic i mean uh my wife Kristen played field hockey in college um and i played basketball so i think they have some athletic teams uh to be honest I don't care if they never pick up a basketball in their life. Um, now, do I think that's going to happen? No. Because, I mean, Logan already likes to watch basketball and he likes to shoot on a hoop. But I don't care if they never get into basketball. Um, I don't care if they want to play in the band or do dance or debate or whatever. Whatever they're into, I will jump in head first and get into it with them. Um, If they do decide to go the basketball route, um, I don't know how I'm going to do because I don't want to be their coach. I just want to be their dad. But I also don't know that I can stand by and watch someone who doesn't know what they're doing coach them. Um, I guess part of me hopes they don't play basketball, but I know that's not going to happen. I know they're both going to be athletic and, and in the sport and I guess I'll just have to cross that bridge when I get to it. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to be their coach. I mean, Dad never really coached us. He helped out with baseball sometimes, and he played baseball in college, and he knows baseball so well. So he was, he was great to have as a coach because he taught me so much in baseball. Um, that I hope I can just be their dad that can help them with things if they ask. That's another thing that dad is so great at. He never coached us. 
you know, after a game or or after a practice. He never forced me to to go work out. He would say, if you want to shoot, let me know. I'll go rebound for you, right? He would never force that up. Um, and and, and I, I'd be the same way. If, if Logan wants to do gymnastics instead of basketball, well, I'll take him to gymnastics, and I'll sit there, and I'll, I'll watch him, and I'll cheer him up. I, I don't care. Whatever whatever makes them happy is, is what I'm going to be into. And their loud, obnoxious aunt will be cheering them on every step of the way, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that you and Kristen will be allowed at any sporting events. If they're Probably in, not. In <laughs> yeah, I'd be pretty bad, I think. Um, <laughs> I definitely yeah. get tossed. Just like you when you were seven in the driveway, I'm going to get tossed at, <laughs> at whatever these <laughs> events are. Whether it be Little League or a debate. <laughs> Like I said, whatever whatever they choose to do, if it makes them happy, then I'm all for it. That's great. And that's all that matters, whatever makes them happy. I, I also see the ugly side of youth sports now that I'm kind of involved in it. And oh, part of yeah. me doesn't want, doesn't want them uh, involved in that. And like I said, I don't know that I can stand by idly and, and let them be a part of that without jumping in. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right, Kyle. All right. You want to wrap it up with some fun questions? Let's do it. All right. What was your favorite vacation you've been on? Oh, wow. Favorite vacation you've been on. I'm too young. I was too young. I don't remember Disney. Um, I'm very fond of, of all the times we went to our grandma's house in Florida when I was little. Um, you know, we would spend summers there. You know, we would spend like a whole month of August there. Uh, I'm very fond of that. I think the, the best vacation, though, was, was my honeymoon with my wife. We went to Antigua, um, and we were lucky enough that mom and dad uh as a gift paid for our honeymoon so we had like the honeymoon suite with the butler service and it was uh it was it was awesome i mean it was so sometimes after like a long day one of us will say no when we were in antigua we didn't have any any of this um yeah that was uh that was by far the best vacation because uh, it was our honeymoon. You know, it, it, was, uh, it was fun. The best family vacation, I think, was when we all went to Mexico. That was yeah, cool. that was fun. Um, you know, Damien and his wife, they weren't married yet. Me and Kristen weren't married yet. Uh, our cousin Siobhan and Courtney went. Uh, our kind of brother Billy went with his wife and his father. That, that, that was a good time. Yeah, that was fun. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Let's see. I used to say Caddyshack, but now it's got to be uh, Toy Story 1, 2, or 3. <laughs> uh, Frozen, Moana, Cars. We got, a big, we got a big, big night in about two weeks. Toy Story 4 comes out on demand, and we're all psyched. 
I think they introduced some, some new characters. It's going to be a fun time. Um, but yeah, all my, my DVR and my on demand are, are little kids' movies. And uh, <laughs> to be honest, I don't like Frozen. I can do it without Frozen. The other ones are fine. Um, You're in trouble. But, Frozen yeah. 2 is about to come out. <laughs> it used to be Caddyshack, and now it's uh, one of those movies. But Maddie sings. Let it go so well. She has the voice of an angel. I'm excited for you guys to watch Toy Story 4. I think Maddie's going to like Bo Peep. She has a tendency to really like those strong, independent women characters, and I like that. Yeah, that's another one. Strong, independent woman. She wants what she wants. She takes what she wants. She's that's the best. Girl. <laughs> All right, last question. What's a talent you have that not many people know about? Oh, wow. Talent I have that not many people know about. Uh, interesting. I'm really good with a yo-yo. Oh, is yeah. That, you used to talent? have them. In- yeah. I, uh, I, can, I can do really cool tricks with a yo-yo. Um, if that's a talent, I guess. Um, it's a talent. Yeah, I can shoot a basketball and I could I could make a yo-yo dance. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Kyle. Thank you so much for coming on this episode. I really appreciate it and I loved our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was a good time and um, good luck with your podcast. I, I, I listen as much as I can and uh, you're doing really well. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Yeah, you listen in the car with Logan, and Logan asks uh, why I'm still talking. <laughs> yeah, he was very. We listened one time driving up this summer to Mom and Dad's house. Um, and he wanted to know why you were still talking. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he wasn't into the episode. Uh, can't get them all in. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again, and I'll see you this weekend for Logan's soccer game. That's right, the Blizzard uh, game four. They play, nice. who knows who they play, but uh, yeah, the Blizzard take on the Avalanche or something like that. And uh, God bless you for coming down to watch four year old soccer on your weekend off. I'll be the LeVar ball out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, that's this week's episode with my brother, Kyle Burke. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I'm really proud of him. I'll be back next week with another outstanding athlete.